From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 181, and I'm sitting down to watch a bunch of Bruce Lee films. I'm going to be joined partway through this episode by the wonderful people at Unobstructed View, who I'll introduce right before that segment. Um, this one's going to be a bit free-floating. This might be a one-part uh, episode or a two-part episode. If I get someone else to watch Enter the Dragon with me, I might break this into two. So stay tuned for that. I mean, you'll probably know this by the time it airs. I'm just too lazy to go back and edit it. I have not seen a single Bruce Lee film, so this is exciting for me. This is definitely one of my huge black holes. I'm not familiar with his work outside of just knowing who he is. So I'm excited to sit down, and um, I don't know much about him. I'm excited to learn more. And to start off, I'm going to go in order through the discs as the Criterion Bruce Lee collection asks me to. And I'm going to start with The Big Boss. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So I just finished The Big Boss. Wow. It's so interesting. I did some research on Bruce Lee right after I watched it, because I was curious about this guy and and what the deal was. And so what's interesting about Bruce Lee that I didn't know is that Bruce Lee kind of created his own fighting style, and I guess that's what made him unique and interesting. He was of the new school and thought that the martial arts, as they were, were a giant mess. And so he wanted to... His philosophy was basically... Take all the best parts that work for you and make your own style. Don't follow anyone's style because they're all terrible or messed up in some way. And so that's what made him unique amongst uh, martial artists and fighters. And that's what makes him so, so interesting and captivating compared to other people that were working at this time. And apparently part of his style came because before he was a, a martial artist, he was a cha-cha dancer. And so he has this one, two, pause, cha-cha-cha, uh, thing that he brings into his martial arts that's really, really interesting. Uh, it was fun to look for that in the movie. So I guess he made this, this is his 21st film, but it's the first film that becomes a hit, so much of a hit that he turns into like an overnight sensation. Uh, he told people he was bigger than the Beatles, which is kind of funny. And it's his first starring role. And apparently he only did the film because he went to L.A. 
uh, America, and and his career did not take off the way he wanted to. He he had a TV show being built around him, but then people decided that they couldn't have an entire show built around a Chinese actor, and so they they put him into second billing, and that's where he gets Cato in the Green Hornet. And that only lasts a season, and then he's uh, he's back in China worried about paying off his mortgage, and so he does this movie just to pay the bills. And it's the thing that makes him a breakout star. Uh, it's interesting. They weren't sure he was going to be the lead of this movie. It's it's If you watch and, and pay attention to the movie, the first act, it's, it's really James Chen who is kind of the lead of this movie. And then about... After half hour, he gets killed and, and it becomes a Bruce Lee movie, uh, which was it was good to read more about why they did that because I was so confused, um, thinking I knew who Bruce Lee was. I'm like, is this Bruce? I know he's the lead of this movie, but he doesn't feel like the lead of this movie. I think I'm pretty sure this guy's Bruce Lee, but I'm not entirely sure. And so it was a relief to to know that I was right. But apparently, they didn't know. If Bruce Lee could carry a movie, and so they were kind of shooting the movie in order, and and this first act was kind of a test to see who had more charisma, James Chen or Bruce Lee, and whoever didn't would be killed off at the end of the first act, and the other one would take over the movie, and so Bruce Lee won. He had more charisma. Uh, I guess it was the first film where uh, a Chinese lead could be seen as a sexual being in a martial arts movie. And so you see him in bed with that prostitute who's later killed in such a bizarre way. Uh, apparently Bruce Lee had the the original director fired because he wanted him to do these big, long, three-minute fight scenes. And Bruce Lee insisted on it was better to do these, like, 15-second fights that were, were more unique, and that's the kind of thing that made him stand out. Now, the movie itself, what do you think? Uh, well, I think it's a, a, an interesting movie. I, I didn't love it, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I loved parts of it. I loved all the fighting. I thought you know there was some really interesting stuff going on there. It's over the top. It's very different from Jackie Chan. Uh where like you you were definitely doing a lot of wire work here, people flipping in the air and doing kind of crazy stunts and that kind of stuff. That's really fun to watch, but uh, but it's a bit cartoony, and yeah, I mean Bruce Lee's character is just kind of bonkers and insane and crazy, and the whole story is you know just over the top. They work at an ice factory and find drugs inside of one of the blocks of ice, and his uh, his friends and family have been disappearing as employees there because they got wise and so he takes it upon himself to find out what happened to them and avenge them and and shit just keeps on happening people just keep on dying left right and center his entire family is practically killed at one point uh and then the ending of this movie is just so fucking weird uh spoiler alert like so essentially when The uh, the big boss throws a knife at him. He kicks it back, stabbing him, makes sure he's dead, and then pummels the shit out of his dead body on the ground, punches the, f- the hell out of him in the face. And then the police come and escort him away, and that's the end of the movie. That's how this movie ends. He goes to jail. He gets arrested for killing this guy who killed all these other people. 
And we don't know how it gets resolved. We don't know if uh, if he gets out in the end. Apparently, there's alternate endings on the Criterion disc. I didn't check them out. I'm curious how they went. But yeah, so this is a really introduction to Bruce Lee. Uh, the movie went on. It was made for about a hundred grand U.S. at the time, and went on to gross fifty million. So, uh, you know, he was a big deal, Bruce Lee, after this movie. So it'll be interesting to see the difference between this and the next movie that I'm going to watch, Fist of Fury. Uh, And for that one, I'm going to be joined by the fine people at Unobstructed View. So stick around while I'm joined by Jonathan Grossman, the CEO of Unobstructed View, as well as Carrie Kupix, the VP of Distribution and Marketing. And we're going to watch Fists of Fury. So I'm sitting down uh, vicariously over the internet uh, we're about to watch Fist of Fury. I'm Jeremy Lalonde. I have not seen this film. And with me are, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. I'm Jonathan Gross, a fearless leader of Unobstructed View. I'm with, with my um, senior vice president in charge of anger management, Carrie Coopins. <laughs> 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 well, I guess that's why Fist of Fury is an appropriate yeah, movie right. if I'm an anger management <laughs> senior VP. <laughs> I always, always advise small to medium-sized companies to have a senior vice president of anger management. Unless, of course, in my case, your senior vice president is too busy controlling her own rage. Yeah, that's then, funny. Then, <laughs> I think she has a different well, title, but that's Bruce what she Lee actually will, paid for. Bruce Lee can give me some tips on how to, right. you know, get it out. Get, get it out. But this this box set came out when? Can we put this out last month? or? Yes, it came out in August. I can look up the exact date. Um, yeah, and it's a uh, it's a box set of. Um, let me just get the full. How many discs is it? Eight. I'm looking it up. It's seven Ashton or eight, anyway. Top of my head. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. If there's an extra disc of features on it. I um, now I got confused because I started because it's funny. This is we have a thing now, Jonathan. When we do these these box set movies, we always do the second movie in. We did the same right. for, for Godzilla. But I got confused because when I started, do, I, I watched The Big Boss last night right? And um, to gear up for this. And then when I was reading it, it was like I read how that was translated at some point. The title was translated to Fist of Fury. And I was like, wait a minute. But then I realized this one was Fist of Fury. I was like, is there a con- – so I'm glad to know we're watching, we're right. watching the right one and that we right. – because uh, that was confusing for me for a I, I just felt I just felt – a vulture um, published the list of – the um, Bruce Lee, I think, did 24 films in his life going back to when he was 10 years old. And uh, this film is number five. And we can sit around and talk about Enter the Dragon and all these things, but I, I kind of think this is a period piece, the only one there really was, and there's so much to discuss about him in terms of his legacy. I think this is a good piece to, to show where this guy was coming from. I also think we should dedicate this podcast to the memory of John Saxon, who passed away a few weeks ago. Okay. And he was in... Enter the Dragon. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that, and a Canadian, I think mean, he was a Canadian actor. I'm pretty sure he was Canadian. Yeah. And and because this comes right on the heels of Big Boss, which made him kind of, that was his first lead role, really, and made him like right. a breakout star. Right. Well, I think it's a, it, it's a good way to, 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 we can talk about Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon is such a problematic film uh, on so many levels. I, I, I feel this straight up chop socky thing with the period piece. And there's, there's a sidebar about uh, Chinese pride in this thing that, that, that I read about 
So I think, I think it's got a lot going on and, and we can talk about Bruce Lee a lot, you know, and I, but I, at my age, it's different than you. And there'll be nice subtext here between the two kind of half generations. Yeah. And I'm, I, for some reason, Bruce Lee escaped me when I was younger. So this is all new. Like watching Big Boss last night was probably the first Bruce Lee movie I'd seen outside. I think I'd seen some old Green Hornet episodes. Right. But uh, that was about it. So it's, I'm really excited kind of going through this, the box set in, in order, the way it's been curated. Yeah. The, the guys, I'm excited too. This is just to its criterion. So, so we should hit so, it and, and then we well, should let, let me, Jonathan, let me quickly talk about the box set. All right. <laughs> so Go it ahead. is called Bruce Lee, His Greatest Hits. It came out in July. Uh, I forgot that last month is not July. Um, and it's four discs, and it includes five films, including The Big Boss, Fist of Fury, Enter the Dragon, Game of Death. And then it's obviously full of bonus features. This is from the Criterion Collection, so it's the usual amazing transfers and amazing bonus right. features and lots of cool things. And it's available for sale at unobstructiveview.com. And anyway, that's the box set. And we're going to watch Fist of Fury, which is the second film on the set, as yeah. Jeremy said that. Yeah. And, and, and I think what Kerry touched on about the restorations, there's been a couple of kicks at Enter the Dragon. This is a much better pass. Than, do, um, yeah. So, so this, is, this is partially why we work with Criterion, because the answer prints they come back with are, are, are usually much higher quality than anything else the studios have tried to do. And, Again, there's been a few kicks in Enter the Dragon, and this 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 cut is actually the real cut. So, having said that, Fist of Fury, we should watch it. Yeah, and I, I too have not seen a Bruce Lee movie before, which I'm embarrassed to say. But weirdly, I did recently, like I don't when it came out earlier this summer. I watched the Thirty for Thirty ESPN's Thirty for Thirty documentary about Bruce Lee. So I've been dying oh, to nice. see this movie for like two months. Oh, good. Yeah, and shows that Bruce Lee's and when when, he, when a sports channel does a documentary on Bruce Lee, I mean that shows you this guy's impact. Well, that's. Just, I mean, we can get into that after talking yeah. about what, what he yeah. brought and what he changed and everything, because that's. Yeah. I, I got. I did a deep dive into him last night after I watched the Big Boss because I was so curious. But anyway, let's do it. So we're gonna turn okay. this off. Yeah, I got. And uh, and we're we'll gonna watch. Back. We're gonna come right back. Let's all go to the lobby. All right, and we just finished. We just finished Fist of Fury. And so you've seen this before, right, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah, a long time ago, though. But not that, not that kind of print. I noticed they made some changes. And, uh, you know, the opening credits, the, the opening monologue <laughs> is new, and they, they beefed up the sound. I, I think it's a terrific film. Bruce Lee's got one facial expression, but, you know, if, if you translate it through, I mean, his legacy, I mean, you know, how many Asian stars were there 50 years ago? None. He was it. Uh, and so I would... Charlie Chan, and Charlie Chan wasn't even Chinese. Yeah. Well, that was that was kind of the thing, right? It's like he went to, to Hollywood to become a big star, and they, they like tried to design a TV show around him, but then it couldn't get greenlit, so he became second billing, and that's the Green Hornet, right? And he right, was, and then he, but he, he was he had started a whole bunch of dojos. I mean, he did more with his life in thirty two years than most people do in, in ninety years. Yeah, you know, and, and I think there was a lot of furor last summer when 
Tarantino took a shot at him in in uh, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But if you look back at I was talking to Carrie earlier about Kill Bill. Oh, that's his thing. Kill Bill's all over this thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Especially, especially that location at the end where the, that garden is like. Yeah, no, no, I just said that to Carrie. I said the exact same thing yeah, to Carrie. Yeah, the garden for sure. This movie, right? Like it's also, because the Kill Bill outfit is from, enter the, which are the dragon ones? Well, I mean, it's pretty reminiscent of this too. I think like something like Lucy Liu is wearing in that movie is, is that's very right. similar to stuff. That's, that's right, that's right, Lucy Liu. Uh, Absolutely. And her, yeah, so it's like the, the, the influences are all over. So I think, the pot yeah. shots, if he takes any pot shots at, 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 at him in, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's all out of love. Like, clearly. Right. It's just, there's no way Bruce Lee could have been Bruce Lee without that level of arrogance. Yeah. Confidence. There's no freaking way. Yeah. I don't think he's mocking him at all. I think he's probably being as accurate as, as you could probably right. be. Right. But it, it, it's this many years later, the fact that, you know, people still talk about he's been dead 47 years that, that the guy, you know, we, we talk about Hollywood now, all this diversity and inclusivity. There was none of that back then. I, I did a lot of hard thinking about where Asians were in cinema and, and they were nowhere. Well, that's what drove him back to China to make these films. But, right, right, exactly. Yeah, and to take a pay cut, too, because he did it. I think I was reading he did uh, the one before The Big Boss just to um, just to pay off his mortgage. And they weren't sure. And that movie, is, I watched it last night, and I can't, I can't say I loved it. There's a lot of stuff that's great in it. But, and, it and it made sense when I read up on it after about how I guess they were doing it almost like a screen test for him. Right. Him and Jimmy Chen, like, they're both played as like the lead ish in the first act. And they were, so they shot in chronological order to see if, if, uh, if Bruce Lee had enough charisma to be the lead, and they, did, they killed off the other character and he and it became his movie. So I was like, well, that makes sense because I was confused up until that. It's Does a Bruce mess Lee have movie. enough charisma? What a question. Well, there are a couple of actors in, in this movie that you recognize, obviously Tony, Tony Liu, and there's, there's people that you've seen in, in a lot Jimmy of films. Jackie Chen makes a very, very brief. Very, he's he's uh, he's doing double work in this movie, but he's on screen for like a couple, just very, very briefly in the in the beginning of the movie. Oh, he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd have to like screen grab it and like I had to look it up because I'd heard he he was in this, and and so I'd have to go through and screen grab it. But it's like it's like I think it's a blink and you miss it kind of thing. Does Jackie Chan? I mean, Jackie Chan must be a wealth of information about Bruce Lee. I mean, Chan Chan, Chan must have known him well, or no, or I don't know. I mean, he's definitely like you know, he's what happens after, right? He's like the next absolutely, person. but obviously, he's an acolyte. You can't not make the connection. Oh yeah, for sure. And then the fact that they were had you know literally had proximity, and the fact that they worked on some of the same projects together. Mm-hmm. Just shows. I'm sure he worshipped him. I'd be curious to know. Uh, I'm sure it's out there if there are things. So, Carrie, you being the new to Bruce Lee as well, what was your what were your thoughts, initial thoughts on just the experience of watching this? Yeah. Oh my god, I loved it. I mean, I can watch Bruce Lee kick people like all day. This was great. Although I would have liked more flying kicks. Like you can't have too many flying kicks. I feel like <laughs> that was not a complaint. It was just, uh, you know, I just, you can't have too many flying kicks. I, I know. I thought it was terrific. Like he's extremely compelling. Obviously he's got tons of charisma. 
I liked that, um, you know, at the, at the, the school, they had uh, women fighting too. Mm. I really liked that. And, uh, and that, you know, the, the, his love interest wasn't like for the time wasn't, was had some agency. I like that. Yeah, she wasn't just a damsel. Like she was kind of uh, yeah. that scene with them in the middle. Like I would say, like Jonathan, like said that he's got like one facial reaction. I would argue in this film, he's probably performing and being an actor more than he ever is. Like he's got a couple levels going on. Uh, <laughs> the emotional range is is there. I mean, he he does. You buy the love story. The kissing scene's a little hard to watch. <laughs> but, but I, I find it very biblical. I, I find that the story of the prodigal son to be very much like yeah. Moses coming out of the wilderness. I find that that some of the rituals even had a kind of a, a, a biblical biblical tone. I mean, when the master gets buried, I mean, and they show the disciples putting the shovels into the into the grave. That's a very very Jewish thing to to shovel like that, and and the the shrine. Where the master was, that was that was a very religious kind of almost arc that they created for this guy, and and, and these guys held to a very strong set of principles, um, and and the, the principles were the heroic part, and they played the Japanese as bad guys, and I know that one line about the um, the Chinese of, of East Asia, what do they call them? The, the, the sick of, man of Asia. Sick man of, yeah. They said that 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 when they showed the film in China, the Chinese were tearing up the seats. I bet saw that film because very very. Um, I find there's some religious overtones about strength and 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 holding yourself back and and not giving in to your base impulses and. And he pays the price. I mean, that's why at the end they have the guys with the guns and he sacrifices himself ostensibly. Yeah. Well, the, the, the no I, sin goes unpunished. Yeah, but he, they're also, those guns are aiming at, all those people are behind him. Like, what? The, one of those bullets is, is not going to hit him. It's, he's going to hit those other people. <laughs> I'm not sure that's part of the art direction, but yes, yes. <laughs> correct. I, I thought that the, at the end that... Um, you know, if it was an American film that he would have kind of gotten away with it and everyone would have been like, yeah, you vent, you, you got vengeance on your master and, and he would have escaped and they would have lived happily ever after. But I think that's what's not, interesting not, about- in, not in 1970 Hollywood when you had Peckinpah. No, well, but okay. also like, like Easy Rider and yeah. But what's great is like, I think, and, and, and Big Boss has a really down ending too. Like he right. kills the guy and then punches the hell out of his face and then he's carted off by the cops, and that's how it ends. And this has a similar, and I think, and, and Bruce Lee, I was reading, insisted on this ending because he said, "It's like, look, this guy goes through and kills a lot of people. He's got to pay for it." Like, you know, and you could argue that it's like he's doing something very, very righteous in, in rescuing his master or you know, avenging his master. But it's like he does murder a lot of people in this movie. Yeah. Like for the one person that died, how many people does he kill? Yeah, right. There's there's there's, there's dozens. Yeah, and and, and that's that. Who, he didn't write the film, did he? No, no, no. It was written by the director. Right. Um, I got a question because the thing that I was trying to figure out the whole time was why the Japanese killed his master. 
Me too. Okay, thank you. Because I was like, am I missing something here? And I was like, are the Japanese just the bad guys because they're the bad guys and they're the colonialists here and blah, 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 like, which is a perfectly good reason to be a bad guy. But yeah, I was like, what's the motivation for killing the master? I never got that either. Okay, not, much of a, not much of a first act, but <laughs> <laughs> most of these films are lacking first act. They go straight to the second act. Yeah, I get that this isn't like Maybe usual third act, level but, plotting. But. You know, that's that's the problem is that they they could have you know anybody could have written five pages to figure that one out, but the Chinese are always treated like trash, and this is in Shanghai, so it's kind of an open. They're really trash in Shanghai when the Japanese were there. So it's it's an interesting take, but again, um, I don't think there's there's much you know. There's a natural antagonism between the Japanese and even the fact of suspicion this guy was because he was a holier being than the Japanese, yeah. right? You know, it's it's the old story that, you know, when Mickey Mantle used to uh, do an event with Stan Musial, he was embarrassed because Musial was the man he wanted to be. Yeah. And, and, and I think you, sometimes jealousy of, of someone's values and someone's, I mean, this is what, because these are all honor guys. This is all honor. There's no honor is, is there, is their number one driving force. And, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I think there's always base lessons to be learned and it, it's, it's, it's in the, and I'll tell you the restoration on this print is fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it's simple. It, it's simple in its way, but it's like, and then, I, I just kind of took it. It seemed like all these people were gathering and it was almost like the justification. I kind of made it for myself was like, they just wanted like this school to be wiped off the map. And it's like, and it's almost like they, just, you know, by killing the master, they would then yeah. incite some kind of battle that, and that they would surely win because they were superior and would just wipe these people off and away. Right. Um, I I was really interested looking up in, in Jackie Chan's fighting style and just how, because I guess his thing was just that how martial arts was a giant mess. And his theory was that you should just create your own style by taking the best of all the stuff that you enjoy and that you're naturally gifted at and do something like that. And what's really unique to his, and I, I didn't know until after I'd seen the last one, I read up on it, but I was really watching it this time, was apparently he was trained as a, as a cha-cha dancer in his formative years and right. that and that plays into the rhythm of his fighting it's like one two pause one right. it's like it's always like two movements and then a weird pause and it really does hold up when you watch it it's like holy shit like that is really is a rhythm that he has that's unique he would do two shifts with his feet then stop it was ba ba da right yeah. it was never three steps it was because he moved forward two shifts and then plant yeah. One of the things that I learned from watching the documentary about him is that, and I don't know much about martial arts, but apparently the the type that he um, practiced and instructed is it was a bit obscure, actually, and a little bit unusual. Um, and he popularized it, obviously, in in the U.S. But um, I that was one of the things that I actually found most interesting about the documentary. So also maybe some of his different style is from that as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Just made him and made him uh, someone completely different than we normally see, and everybody on the screen pales compared to him. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're, yeah. They're, thugs, they're, they're making very 
very leaden kind of moves. He 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 was completely different. And this film, you kind of notice it first because it it's different. And even with the nunchucks, I mean, no one handled that like he did. That was the first use of nunchuck on film. Did you know that? Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. On T- he'd been on TV earlier because he had it as Cato, but this is the first time right. nunchucks had ever been in a film. Apparently. Wow. That's so interesting. Wow. Th- th- those scenes were, I mean, obviously amazing. No, if you had to, it, it's, it's still, it's still the themes of, of Western themes versus Eastern themes, but, but they have kind of a, the reason these films work, I think it's still the anti-hero. You know, it's the troubled anti-hero of the late sixties, early seventies. It's just not a, it's just made for that kind of revisionist type of, type of metaphor because you're going through in the States at that point, you know, Sam Peckinpah. Yeah. Which Cassidy. Yeah, no, it's totally fine to have it down any. And, and I think it, it's justified because, and I think that's the good, that's what I really liked about it is that it's like, this guy goes on a killing spree and he pays for it at the end. Yeah. It's the same ending as Butch Cassidy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the freeze right. frame. Cause you don't want to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's smart enough to know the audience doesn't want to watch him die. Right. There you go. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Right, they don't want to see him going in a hail of bullets like Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, that, and that's the same as the Butch and Sundance. It's that great yeah, exactly. freeze frame. Right, it's a freeze frame. They get to live forever in that freeze frame. Right, and, and and that's exactly that's exactly what you felt at the end of this. You didn't. You thought, okay, I, I get it. Immortality. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't help but think that someone caught one of those stray bullets. Though I'm like, you took someone down with you behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. No. I loved I loved all of his undercover work, like is like being the rickshaw driver. <laughs> oh my and, god, the telephone repair guy! <laughs> telephone telephones did not look like that in 1910, but yeah. uh, but I'll give that a pass. It wasn't. It <laughs> wasn't. He puts it, on it, the glasses. But was it was it 1910 because that piece of Samsonite luggage that he had? Well, I, I'm going to say this. It's like the production designer was not doing their job very well. There were some 70s fashions, too. And that scene with the no dogs in Chinese. Yeah. There's like, and I was confused. I was like, wait, when is this movie supposed to be? I know. That's the one that's like, that's modern day. It's like someone, like the production designer sucked. Like, yeah. <laughs> I had to effort. Google like when it was supposed to be taking place. All the dojo stuff, all the temple stuff looks great. But yeah, I was like, super anytime, confused. I was like, "Why are the Japanese he like?" In, he brought in the Samsonite luggage. I go, I don't know what, what the hell that was." And <laughs> the neighborhood uh but it's it's clearly like that the production designer didn't get that note nor did the lo- nor did the, whoever was shooting that second unit of that shot with like all the tour like the Caucasian yeah. tourists just walking around like right right, right with their white ties like oh yeah yeah it's nineteen ten. Yeah, so, so it has some flaws that way. I'm sure they, uh, apparently most of the money just went into those dojo sets. And we were noticing the wigs on the guys at the beginning. That was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, the blood is still, it's better. I will say the blood effects are better than they were in The Big Boss uh, because the blood in that was almost like really thick paint, really oh. thick. So here it was a bit better. It wasn't as cartoonish. <laughs> It was it was acceptable for what the, yeah. what that was. Yeah. Well, it just I just loved how like these and and they did a great job with like the sound design too because it's like you feel those hits like when you, the guy yeah. gets punched in the throat at the end which causes his death like just 
because he's the fist of fury. Just like literally in those two guys he kills that he strings up, like he punches them in the ribs and they die. But he punches yeah. their heart. Like he, he punctures yeah. their, their aorta. But the, those sound effects are done with what? With bamboo sticks? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I think they're crushed bamboo sticks. I, I've heard that, that they break some and they, and they get a little resonance with the, the thwack because it, it lingers. Yeah, I had the same thought about the sound design. Like all the kicks were great. Yeah, yeah they didn't feel. Sorry, would you say, Jonathan? You have to have that. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love all the little sounds he makes. No, oh, yeah. he, he, I'm a very sympathetic to. Um, Bruce Lee after this. And, and like I said, I had a whole new appreciation of what Tarantino did with him. In, yeah. I'm in Hollywood. Yeah. I, uh, the one thing that, that drove me nuts was that one scene where you've got that, that Caucasian guy that we got the mustache that he fought before the master. Yeah, that guy was a martial yeah, arts Russian guy. guy. Yeah. But it's that when he bends that giant rod, he's doing a really good job of the miming, but that yeah. rod is shaking way too much. To be <laughs> metal. It's just the way it's vibrating. It's yeah. like, that, well, that's it's because the way he's probably just like trying to like move his hand so slowly yeah. and make it look real. Like that part I buy, but if you look at that rod, that thing is. There's no way that thing is solid metal. But it, but the sound effects when he's grabbing it and touching it and all that kind of stuff was great. It was just that was the one thing that was the giveaway that bothered me. No, I was more bothered by the geisha doing the strip tease. Nah, boy, that was rough. <laughs> that was that was that was not Japan in 1910. <laughs> No. Well, they, and it's interesting because I was reading this about the big boss too, that it's like, uh, you know, Asian stars in particular were not seen, were not allowed to be seen or seen in general as sex symbols. And so right. that scene in the big boss, when he's like in bed with the, the geisha, it's like, that was a pretty shocking thing at the time. That's why this one, he was fairly chaste, except for the kiss with that girl. Still- en- they were engaged, right? So that's okay. Yeah. You're allowed to kiss somebody or... I love that scene where they're just like their backs are to each other and she's just kind of like in profile and they're talking about the future they might, they wanted. There's something, and they, she's going to pick the kids up from school. I just, there's something really charming about that that I was not expecting in a movie like this. It's like Troy Dunne who wants her face in, in a summer place. Yeah. And I got to say, the wire works pretty good. I don't know if they went in and removed some of that for this print. But just stuff like when he picks up the rickshaw and when he's spinning around, like you can't see the wires. It's pretty nope. good. Yeah, when he picked up the rickshaw, that was extremely cool. Yeah, there's no way that he did that. No, but, no, um, I know, but it was still <laughs> like you're like that's very cool. And it, yeah, I love that. That whole scene was really good. Yeah, it looked realistic. I mean, this is this is kind of eternal seminal cinema, and that's why it's a little more. How do I put this? It's a little more authentic when they get to enter the dragon because he, 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 there's an innocence to this mm. and it, or its own flaws. When you try and say, okay, we're making a Hollywood movie with this guy. He's not a James Bond character. He's, you got to, you got to do those cheese ball close up, you know, drawing the, the rack focus thing. You know, it, 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 it gets more of him. Yeah. The zooms. Those, they, they love the zooms. Oh, those in zooms. Movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did not love the use of slow mo in the fight scenes. Like it, it, it I found it kind of. I don't, I don't know what I'm. There wasn't to... a ton of it, but it was weird. There, there was wasn't the a one. Ton of... There wasn't was that... no. There wasn't excessive, but it, I didn't like it. 
but it's I just did. done in a weird way because it doesn't really slow down. It's just it, there was a one in particular that really stood out to me was right at the end when he kicks the guy out of the and they and they land up in the garden and he's like soaring out of the place really right. slowly and it's yeah. like why is that one and it just feels like, it's like why why that one why there yeah, me too I was like what, why are we doing this all of a sudden and also like. They're, they're like, yeah, he's Chen Zhen, he's lightning fast. You know, like you want to see, that's what you want to see. You want to see Bruce Lee like boom, 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 like really going fast. You don't want to slow it down. Like it's not the Matrix. Well, I, I like cool. when, he, when he stops and starts. I, I do, I like the fact that he ta- they take a break for a half a second to reposition. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not talking about that. But no, I, the slow motion I, was weird. Yeah, it, it's just, but they're, it's, I, I think it's the way the, the Golden Harvest film that they really tried to make as, as commercial as possible. Well, there was nothing comparable to it back then at that time. No, and that's the important thing about like when you watch these movies is like to have like a bit of like film history to understand the context of them. Cause it's easy just to watch these now and just go, oh, well, the movies are faster and, you know, I yeah. prefer, yeah. but it's like to understand, it's like that's when, whenever my, my 11 year old, we sit down to watch something like this. He's always expecting it to be cheesier and worth. Like he goes in with so low expectations oh, for yeah. movies. <laughs> but like the first time I showed him Seven Samurai, like I I downplayed it, but he was riveted the whole time. That's a three-hour black and white movie with subtitles, and he was nine when he watched it, and wow. I could not pry him away because he was just because those these movies stand up, you know. Um, and and this it's one also, is not, it's also so otherworldly. That he's the kind of, it's so otherworldly that it, it's almost a kind of a, a real get lost. If you if you can get lost in it for ten frames, you can really immerse yourself as with something he's used to the, the you know some slick three D animation or whatever he you know is used to seeing. Well, that's just it, and something like this in this world that's like you just said so otherworldly. Like there's not much difference between him and him trying to like relate to this world and this culture than there is something like Star Wars. It's like so removed from his own experience that right. if you're interested in the world and other things, it's like it's really easy to get drawn in when it's done well. And, and an Asian leading man, you know, I was watching this horrible TV series called Hollywood on Netflix. And and it's Ryan Murphy, I think. And, and they get into these, yes. these kind of racial social justice essays and this sidebar where I forget who the Asian actress is, and they do a little sidebar on how in 1946 you can't get a lead role. I go, here's two words for you, Pearl Harbor. You know, I, I, and, 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 and the fact, and, and I keep stressing this, that 50 years ago, there, there was no way a guy like this could get a lead role in Hollywood. Not a chance. How tall was he, 5'6"? I don't know, but probably... <laughs> And right, yeah. but John, then that's the point that it, it like Bruce Lee is obviously an extraordinary person, right. and even he wasn't able to. Right. That's the extraordinary achievement of Bruce Lee that that he can he, he can, broke down those barriers. Yeah. Right, and and the, you know but he had to go to Asia to do it. Like he tried in the U.S. It, he the and then after Green Hornet, he kind of floundered for a while. Tried to get projects together, like Jeremy said, and wasn't able to. And then had to go to Asia to make himself a star like he willed himself into this but it was you know hey use the word again like he had to go to extraordinary lengths he coached he he coached sharon tate in the matt helm film yeah yeah i mean he worked in hollywood as a yeah as a as a as a 
stunt coordinator and martial artist and all those things but like that's not what he wanted to do and like that's not what he was destined to do let's no he was he was i think i read somewhere that he was in 21 films before he had a lead role right right Right. and he tried like jeremy said he tried to put it together and people and i mean that you see this still to this day of people you know and we (laughs) we're distributors we're guilty too i guess of like oh it doesn't sell it doesn't sell right it doesn't but, sell till it sells. Yeah, but then, but then what's great is like when people like yourselves, like people just take risks and they go, well, it hasn't sold in the past, but let's just try something out because that's just it. It's like nothing ever sells until suddenly it does. Right, right? exactly exactly right. You, there's, there's a hundred genres that started by accident. Yeah, <laughs> because someone took a risk on something or made a mistake and then took advantage of that, that one or the other. Blair Witch was going to do the numbers that it did. Yeah. yeah, and then again, due credit to Bruce Lee, though, it was not an accident. He worked for, you know, his entire life to make himself a movie star. Well, he, he made himself something of value. You know, it, it, it's not the movie star, it's, it's, it's his skills. Yeah. And, and I think, and the point of that is, I think that it's like, when, when something is good, it can finally transcend all of the bullshit that keeps this things, keeps the gatekeepers stopping it you know because right. you just can't deny greatness eventually so it's like when and you get like something like the blair witch which is this indie film that could it's like when something is that interesting and good or 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 bruce lee it's just like you can't ignore it because uh it doesn't matter that he's an asian star or an asian actor it's like you're you're compelled by him and so but it does take all it's like it's the same as anything right it's like that, that ten thousand hours it takes to like yeah the 10 years to become an overnight success right <laughs> exactly and he arguably exactly. had even more. Went into his martial arts and he had you know it's it's a lesson to everybody have an incredible skill set somewhere you know and, and and you bring that to the table you it, it, it that's who he was. I mean, he was a martial arts guy who took all the values that you learn in a dojo and brought them to film. Yeah. There was no separating that. And he had, I mean, by the end, like not by the end, when, when he, he had a lot of famous friends because he was an instructor to a lot of famous people. So even with his extraordinary talents, his extraordinary charisma and his, uh, connections, he still had to do all of this to make himself who he was. Who is like, you know, he built himself this undeniable legacy. That's just it. I mean, we're, we're, you say he's been gone for 47 years. That's longer than he was around for. Oh, he's, only yeah, my- he's a household name to this day. It's amazing. It's, 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 and, and the fact that, I mean, this box set was almost overdue. I mean, it, you know, this, this is a man and it's sold very well so far because it's, it's definitive Bruce Lee. And, and that genre, you know, that genre really isn't happening anymore. You know, that, that whole thing, it, it went for a long time, but it, it doesn't exist anymore. You know, I was actually thinking about that when I was watching the movie, right? Like we had that, you know, who, who are, what's the through line of his legacy. Right. And you know, that even you could argue like, you know, Van Damme and all those guys from the eighties and nineties right, come from it. But then I was thinking like, well, who's doing it now? And well, like, we see a lot of it in, in the, the, the lower levels of film distribution. No, no, it, it, is, it, is, now, it is now MMA. 
Right, but it's also, I mean, you are seeing, what, what they've done is they've, they've basically started making superhero movies that fight like these guys. Yeah. You know, that, that's well, that's kind of, no, I mean, I'm not saying they take the characters. I mean, Marvel has their, 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 their Asian superhero coming out uh, that's played by a Canadian. Um, but, um, but all I'm saying is that the, the fighting styles from these movies have influenced the way like Iron Man and Captain America yeah. and all these guys fight. You know, the, the, yeah. the way that it's like close combat and all like, like that, that doesn't exist without this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, like that Captain America elevator fight scene. The Matrix like, owes something to this too, yeah. Oh, 100%. Obviously, yeah. 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 But I'm talking about just like the pure like punching and kicking smaller action movies that we used to get a lot of back in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the closest thing, like, I think it just dropped on Netflix was the Cobra Kai, right? Like, everyone's going nuts about that right now. And so it just yeah. shows that people are hungry for this kind of thing, you know, is because... It, yeah, like, what's his face? That's like, a, that's like a karate kid thing, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, Jonathan, like, come on, we, we, we've been working in the dregs of film distribution for decades. Like, I mean, there are lots of these, like, Luke Gosses and what's that other guy that they're always trying to sell us his movies? No, no, yeah, I know. There's a lot of Luke Goss, but the Scott other Atkins. another one. Scott, Scott Atkins, thank you. And uh and and there's still those are still they're floating around, but they're not like big films. Like we see a lot of them, but like normal people I don't think do. Well, I guess I and I, and I think I'm overreacting because if you look at the, the Bourne films. That's true. Uh, it's in the Bourne films, and I was just thinking of another film that that had it. Um, but the Bourne films are are, are 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 like especially Bourne Ultimatum. The hand to hand stuff is incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the legacy, I guess, is just that it's that that there are guys that show up and do this and have skills. I mean, and it all comes from this. I, I you know that's because you know, close in stuff where he's one on one with a guy. You know, the thirty guys surrounding him. Okay, you know, great. But it's the one-on-one stuff that's the most exciting. That's just it. And I think you look at, and I, like, the person I had really known about in terms of, like, these kind of movies, but my guy was Jackie Chan. Like, I've always been a Jackie yeah. Chan fan. And um, and what I love that I was noticing from this that Chan definitely takes, was Chan always hated the way, you know, Americans shot action movies because it's always like, cut to this, cut to this, cut to this. It's like, I don't actually see the people doing the thing. And so Jackie Chan always believes in like holding it and seeing it for real. And that's what you see here. You see these big wide shots where he's right. You know, yeah. The choreography and this kind of stuff, you can't fake. It's so easy to just like have a new angle and a new edit every time you hit somebody. Cause it's like, you don't have to really hit anything or, or do any real choreography or work there. But it's like what they're doing here is work. Cause there's a master shot. There's no dolly. And so it's the master shot with a couple of close-ups, so they have to choreograph for the camera. But but that but even that is like them. there's a dance, right? They're not just trying to like fix it all, make it exciting in the editing. They 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 know yeah. how exciting it is just to watch, and it'll captivate you. You don't need to like have a million close-ups and intercuts and all these things. Exactly. So every movie, it's like the camera's right in everybody's faces for the last ten years. And every fight scene is frustrating to watch because of that reason. I completely agree with you and Jackie Chan. Yeah. There's a really great, I don't know if you've ever seen it, a great uh, web series on YouTube called Every Frame of Painting. And the guy does this really great visual essay on like the, the comedy directing style of Jackie Chan. That just really, if you watch that, oh, it's really great. It's like 10 minutes to watch. 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's every frame of painting is the YouTube channel. And then just type in Jackie Chan and, and that, and it'll come, and it'll come up and it's really, really, I, I encourage any young filmmakers, if you haven't checked out that YouTube series, it's just another way to start thinking about movies and creating things in the way people put stuff into it. But that one in particular made me really appreciate on a newer level what, what Chan was doing and, and what he learned from, from Bruce Lee and all the forebears, right? But I do think, like you said, it's like not only like, but not only is like like Bruce Lee this this household name. Fifty years after these films are made, but it's like you see, even though they're not necessarily making movies like this anymore, like all those movies, like Star Wars movies, all the Mandalorian, like all these things, like the fighting styles you're seeing in all these TV shows and movies, all come from this, right. They don't come from old Audie Murphy movies where they're crashing chairs over your head and old kelp. <laughs> no, they come from they come from this this Asian cinema. They don't come from westerns. They don't come from all this kind of stuff. So it's like we, you know, we've all we've taken it and we've like, you know, North Americanified it. But yeah. uh, but it, like, we owe a huge debt to to all of these kind of things. And and so it's like it's great that this set is now available for hopefully a new generation to, to kind of like appreciate it yeah, again I mean, for the first time. Does. And, and we're excited. By the way, this, this, this country home you're living in looks like one of these weird antebellum mansions back there. <laughs> <laughs> Got a, a plantation going on back there. No, it's an old stone farmhouse. It's, uh, yeah. it's from the, it's from the, what are you doing? <laughs> it does look like it's just missing a creepy doll. <laughs> I have the creepy doll. It's in a closet. I, uh, cause I'm, I'm here by myself right now. And I guess uh, it's my, my mother-in-law made it. And so, uh, I, I, but I can't walk by it. I just, put it, when no one's around, I put it in the closet and then I bring it back up for when she's, so you're not far off. There is a creepy doll in this house. I'm not sure I could stay in there by myself with just the creepy doll. I, I don't know which closet her. it's in. Just don't go in the closet. She'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you very much. Call us tomorrow to let us know you're still okay. Yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, call us tomorrow. I'm, weird. I'm worried now. Yeah. I expect well, one of these weird faces to come in the, the glass out there from outside. You just see it peeking through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll see you Thanks this for having so us on the show, my friend. Oh, you my are. pleasure. We'll do it again sometime we'll soon. We'll do it again. We'll find some fun movies and we'll have some. I'm still trying to get. I, I told Criterion now that New York is dead. You got to do the New York trilogy of nine and a half weeks, Wall Street, and, and Working Girl. I'm not sure that nine and a half weeks is going in the Criterion collection. Yeah, but there's, there, apparently, Adrian Line has an uncensored cut. Okay. Oh. And, the, and I saw the film on TV. And it, it holds up in a weird Mickey Rourke, Kim Basinger type I mean, of... Yeah, movie. I haven't seen that movie in like 20 years. No, it, it kind of holds up more. just if you're nostalgic for New York from the 80s. That's just... I, I mean, Criterion's really dipping into like some great genre stuff lately. So. Right, right, right. They're not... They're not yeah. that, that was a, the one film I also said to them, well, they, they put out... We're putting out... Um, uh, what's I do agree with you on Working Girl, I'll tell you that. That movie what? should... I agree with you on Working Girl. But they just put out Girlfriends, which was um, Cynthia Weaver. It's coming in November. Yeah. And I told them to do the 25th anniversary of Swingers. Oh. Which was. um, Well, no, it was. It was. What's his face? It's Doug Lyman's first movie. Yeah. 
And yeah, Favreau, I mean, really. And Favreau, Vince too. Vaughn and Favreau. I mean, it's, it but does they're, they're very big like first, first films. Like when I, mean, I said, no swingers. That's a classic. I, here's the thing. I've owned swingers on every format it's been available on. <laughs> I would buy it again. Just because I'm, if, if, especially if they, I mean, it would be a beautiful transfer and right. it would be loaded up with uh, features. If you look at the careers that came out of that movie. But oh, for sure. No, well, I'm not arguing, Jonathan, that it shouldn't be in the collection. I'm, I'm not going to argue no, but, with but you. I, I have this thesis now about film, and especially American films, that American films today are missing uh, the one element that drew them to... There's no charm in American films anymore. You know, I, I, I'll say... I'll part with this thought. We can edit out. You know, I flew down... After we did the one on the... Uh, the, oh. the Godzilla, no, stop it, Carrie. I flew down to Miami on American Airlines. And I, I got stuck at the airport, those horrible flights where the plane freezes up and they get the ice off. They're going to go back and put the gas in. Then it freezes up again. It, it was horrible. So I'm, I'm leafing through the movies on American. And they had Hustlers, you know, which might as you got to watch it for the J-Lo pole dancing scene. And it's a horrible movie, but the pole dancing scene, she's 50 years old, okay. But I found the lost Woody Allen film on on the menu. You've not seen the film called A Rainy Day in New York? I've seen that movie. Have you? How'd you see it? I got a, a screener from somebody who, uh, from like a foreign distributor. It's a really good movie. I enjoyed it too. Yeah, it had some charm. This kid, Timothy Chalamet, did the best Woody Allen of any of those guys. It's true. Yeah, that, that just it's like because that's the problem when he's not the lead anymore. It's like everyone just thinks they have to do the impression. That's right, right. And he he had it down. And I mean, the, the dialogue is straight out of the Algonquin Round Table for these kids. But but it had a little charm when he's playing jazz piano at the Carlisle, and they're wandering around a fairly unpopulated New York. It's very kind yeah. of populated. And Selena Gomez is good. I mean, it's kind of shocking. It's really charming. Well, they make it their own too. I think what Timothy Chalamet does in that movie is he makes, and that makes it work, is he makes the Woody Allen character his own. He doesn't try to do an impression. Right, because Will Ferrell tried to do an impression and all these other guys are trying to do Woody. This kid's very talented. I love that film just for the fact that it didn't didn't bruise anything and it had some New York moments that if you ever were young in New York, it was there. Yeah. It's still trying to buy distribution on it. It's never been distributed up here. Never Stuff. been. Yeah, I, 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 I would pick up a disc of that. I, I have all of Woody's movies, so I would definitely be. Uh, I'm reading Woody's autobiography now. Oh, the new one. It's good. It's, it's very good. You know what? It's like he's in a room talking to you. Yeah, he takes it. He takes his time getting to the all the stuff, but right. when he gets there, it's like it's it's you know. Because I'll let you know when I finish it. Listen, we'll do this again. There's so many movies. Oh yeah. That we can talk about and Carrie, thank you for hooking this up and let's have a thank lunch. Thank you or guys something. for that conversation. It was really film. fun. When you Pardon? finish your film, let's have a lunch or something. Okay. Sounds good. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Next up is the way of the dragon. All right. So, Wow. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if that film was supposed to be a comedy, but it more or less is. 
So this was the only film that Bruce Lee directed, I believe. I could be wrong about that. I'm probably wrong about that. But uh, I think it's the only one in the box set that uh, that are the, the 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 highlighted films wherein he directs. This apparently was Bruce Lee's wife's favorite film of his. Uh, it's interesting. So essentially, it's about a a restaurant, a Chinese restaurant in Rome, that is being terrorized by criminals because they want the location. And they won't give it up, and so they bring in uh, their nephew, Bruce Lee, to kind of protect the place. And he teaches the, the the waiters how to fight back and, and all that kind of stuff. And so the plot's kind of ridiculous, but fun. I mean, that's all, it's really all just there to serve the story and get us through. Um, and really, all this movie is is leading up to the big showdown between Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee at the end. Apparently, um, Chuck asked Bruce Lee if he wanted to fight the champion, because at the time, Chuck Norris was the U.S. Karate champion, and Bruce Lee replied, no, I want to kill the champion. Uh, And he's the only person he kills in the movie, spoiler alert, uh, which is a huge uh, decline from uh, Fist of Fury, where he kills a lot of people, so many ridiculous amount of people it's interesting bruce lee doesn't even fight in this movie until 30 minutes in uh yeah i don't have a ton to say this is fun it was not my favorite movie of these so far uh i liked it better than i liked the first one i watched but fist of fury was uh was just hands down a far better film but this one's fun and enjoyable it's just a bit silly uh so that's it for part one of my Bruce Lee series. Stay tuned. Uh, probably in a month or two, I will post my part two where I get into the rest of the box set. So thanks for joining me. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.